to The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with me, David Oram. I'll be looking at the recent major cricket news stories in the region, in the company as usual of my very good friend, the renowned West Indies cricket commentator, Joseph Reds Pereira. Greetings Reds, how are you? Sheltering from the wet weather. Um, it was very wet yesterday in the Caribbean. In fact, it was wet maybe uh, as far back as Friday. In fact, there was a game between Trinidad and Guatemala uh, that was played in very wet weather and the wet weather washed out all the sporting events uh, here in St. Lucia. There was a, a two-day final, South Castries um, with uh, Sammy and Charles in it against Central Castries that went to the other, so to speak. Most of the Barbados games were also washed out, so I think that uh, there was a heavy dose of, of, of water over the last uh, 48, 72 hours. Yeah, well, something that we uh, talked about last time, and uh, won't labour the point, but uh, I think it goes to show that playing cricket in the Caribbean uh, August September is not perhaps the the wisest thing. Uh, Going to kick off, Reds, with uh, there was wildfire rumours flying around yesterday that both you, myself, and uh, other people that uh, other na- let's call them other names within the uh, West Indies cricket fraternity. Uh, were aware of rumours that uh, that Phil Simmons has been or is about to be sacked as the West Indies coach. Uh, that the same fate might be falling to Jason Holder. Is, was there any uh, strength to these rumours? Was there any truth to it, Reds, at all? Like you, David, um, there's no substance that I know. Um, and uh, you know, you got probably the same emails that I got. I, I don't know how it started, where it came from. Um, and I think the, the the simple solution is that the West Indies board are meeting in Dominica next weekend. So whatever is on the agenda uh, will be looked at. And yeah. I think there's just too much speculation. And it, it, it it's, it's not good. It's not good uh, for this to continue. Uh, we will hear from the West Indies board after matters uh I looked at at the Dominica meeting. We probably will get the team going to play Pakistan shortly after that. Um, and here's hoping that we do not have a another period of of turmoil. Mm. And that the, the decisions are in the best interest of West Indies cricket. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, you and I are both in our different ways used to rumours that fly around in the Caribbean. I remember a couple of years ago or more that uh, I, I uh, advanced the rumours that were circulating that Darren Sammy and at the time uh, the uh, Dwayne Bravo, etc., were all being sacked and Dennis Ramdin as the captains of all the all the sides. Uh, it was something they were talking about doing, didn't actually do. Uh, there wasn't literal substance to that at the time but equally red so you were party to a rumor all those many years ago which was hard to believe at the time that there was a bunch of west indies cricketers in the mid 80s just about to go off to south africa on a on a rebel tour 
Yes, and the gentleman who quietly broke the story to me simply said, team leaving tomorrow, do your homework. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he didn't give me much of a, much of a, a clue of where to go, and I, I just didn't know. Well, I said look, to myself, we, we can't read this on the international wires, and, you know, this story should come out of the out of the Caribbean, and and I was lucky and I was able to pick up the, um, the the pieces. And next day, everybody went to the import, including the press, to see how right or wrong I was. And luckily, uh, the team departed a bit later than scheduled, but <laughs> the team departed, and uh, well, you know what then followed. Yeah, absolutely. Now, all I would say is that uh, when. Uh, Somebody like myself or yourself forwards these things as rumours. Yes, we're guilty of fanning the flames, but there is often you know, no smoke without fire, as they say. We shall see. I mean, let's hope there's not further turmoil on the horizon. As you say, they're probably gathering to finalise the side for the tour of the UAE, where they're going to be playing uh, Pakistan. Um, do you expect to see any surprises in those squads, Reds? Well, it's a question of um, whether they'll take two spinners. Um... I think if you look at the UEA track, fast bowlers have been doing fairly well. So do you take two spinners? Um, Bisu and Warrican, question mark. Um, you know, two openers only. Um, will Braffitt be accompanied by Johnson again? We, we just have to wait and see. Uh, Johnson didn't quite um, get the runs he should have gotten. He should have gotten against India, but did do well with Bradford against South Africa against a fairly fierce fast bowling. Um, would it be, I mean, a tour where the West Indies selectors uh, thank and say goodbye uh, to Sam Wells? Um, I think the, the, the fast bowling department is fairly, uh, you know, well packed um, with Gabriel. Azari Joseph and Cummins, who of mm. course now playing for Worcester in England, mm. uh, possibly uh, backed up by an all-rounder chase also um, to make a contribution. I, I will think that 90% of the team is is, is more or less, um, you know, uh, fairly certain names you can write down. But we, we, we'll wait and see. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, and uh, I think that the basis of the side is there, and uh, we'll report on any surprises that, that may emerge as and when the, the, they happen. Uh, you mentioned Miguel Cummins there. I mean, something we didn't really touch on in too great depth, his performances in the Test Series. But both you and I are very pleased to see that. Both you and I, Reds, have been guys who've been championing Cummins for uh, two or three years now and both thought it was long overdue, his inclusion in the West Indies Test side. Yes, you know, you go back a bit. I remember thinking, well, what is Ian Bradshaw you know, done. I mean, he was overlooked for a very long time. Battery was overlooked for about uh, two years, and uh, Miguel Cummins was really overlooked. And there, there, there was a question: um, of, w Would he ever get a chance? Because you know, he did all the right things um, when um, people broke down. Uh, he was not sent. I remember Gabe, um, Roach breaking down. He was not sent. Mm. He did go to Australia. Um, but didn't play. He had a great um, a tour in India, and then you know nothing yeah. happened. But that's all um, behind the bridge now. He's playing, and uh, great for him. Yeah, no, he's effectively led the uh, Barbados attack for the last three years or more. 
Um, he's had one or two poor, disappointing seasons within that. But generally, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that he's come good. As you said, he's gone to play two or three games at the end of the English county season with Worcestershire. Had a very chastening experience this week. Took naught for 114 as Essex racked up in excess of 600. Uh, Essex, the Division 2 leaders there. Um, not, a, not a pleasant experience. We probably won't hurt the guy either, will it, Reds? No, it's a good experience. Was that a champs run? Uh, yes, I believe it was. Batting wicked, batting wicked. <laughs> biased, biased against the the visiting uh, touring pros. Another fast bowler that was in the news this week, prominently uh, for the West Indies fast bowler, Courtney Walsh, the selector. He's going off to be the new coach, uh, the new bowling coach, I should say, of uh, Bangladesh, and obviously stepping down as a West Indies selector. Reds. Yes, glad that he's staying in cricket. He will certainly help um, Bangladesh. Bangladesh is starting to produce. Some strong, much taller fast bowlers against the, you know, the early version of being very short and relying on spin, spin, spin. Mm. And, you know, Dennis Lilly did some of the early work um, in India. I think Sagrafi Sobas um, did also help Sri Lanka. So Walsh, no doubt, will benefit. And maybe in the years to come, because he's committed until 2019, Mm. he will come back possibly uh, as a West Indies bowling coach. Be interesting to see. Any ideas? Any thoughts? Who could take that uh, selectorial role, Reds? Well, I was asking myself the same question. I know the Windwards have tried to nominate Lockhart Sebastian, very experienced. Right. Um, I was thinking of the likes of maybe Gus Logie could return as selector. He's involved um, in the four-day competition uh, with Trinidad Tobago. Roger Harp is someone who. Surprisingly, he's not involved in, in, in the Guyana um, franchise, so he, he is available. Uh, very quiet, um, you know, very thoughtful, a good thinker, good cricket brain. I would think that um, the brother of, 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 of Marlon Samuels. Robert, um, yes. Robert Samuels could be someone. Um, you know, those are the, some of the names that, that, that I have thought of. Mm. Um, but, you know, we, we just have to wait and see who is available, first of all. Um, it's easy to come up with names, but are they available? Are they interested? It means traveling a lot and being away from your family. And uh, if you're, in fact, involved in the private sector, a lot of time off. So all those things you have to take into consideration. Interesting, the Robert Samuels name, particularly for me, uh, Reds, um, on the, this week's Line and Length programme, Barry Wilkinson and Andrew Seeley were both uh, talking about potential people for that role as well. They mentioned Darren Ganga, but he has business interests. Uh, Brian Lara was a name they threw in, but uh, yeah, a very busy man in other uh, areas. But they, they, I think, really focused upon Robert Samuels. But interestingly, Robert Samuels was the guy who his own brother uh, was partly to dropping Marlon from the uh, from the Jamaica side uh, a few years back. Marlon Samuels talked about being dropped from the Jamaica side on uh, on TV on Sportsmax not so long ago, and actually pointed the finger at uh, Wavell Hines. But uh, a bit of digging showed that it was actually Robert Samuels that was behind that. That that could be interesting, Reds, if it ended up with Robert Samuels on the selection panel. Well, if he did do that to his own brother, strength of character. Mm-hmm. No, that's very true. And certainly these are times when plenty of that is needed. Um, other movements, as it were. Uh, Joel Garner has uh, said he's standing down from the West Indies cricket board 
Um, he's the uh, BCA representative and uh, he's now manager of, of the side. Do you, will he have to do the same with his position with the BCA Reds? It depends. It depends on what the constitution says. Um, for a long time, there were indications that there was maybe a clash of duties being director and being um, manager. Well, that's um, finally been, been um, dealt with. Whether it uh, affects the BCA, I do not know. I, I do not know. But I'm sure that uh, the writers in Barbados will simply soon bring that to boil. Uh, yeah. They like Hayden, Gale and, and company. Yeah. Yeah. Now, well, that would be interesting, interesting to see. And um, one final appointment or uh, or the opposite to that. Uh, Michael Muirhead, it's been confirmed, will be standing down as the CEO of the West Indies Cricket Board in October. And you signalled this uh, last week or the week before that this was uh, a likelihood. Uh, again, uh, have we any idea who might be in the frame for that position, Reds? No, I have no idea. I know that the search started. Um, but, you know, what the West Indies board are looking for, are they looking for with uh, a little more of a cricket background and an admin background? Um, Michael Muirhead was strong private sector, um, not known to have a, a great cricket background. It depends uh, what they're looking for, whether they're using um, one of these search companies. I, I don't know, but I, as far as I know, the search has started. Yeah, well, well, we'll monitor that. Moving on to other other things, Reds. <laughs> Ironically, perhaps sticking with things that we uh, don't know any more about. Um, have you heard any more, any feedback from the uh, recent symposium, Reds? I haven't. No, I think there might have been um, an agreement that little will be said and whatever was agreed on will be followed up. And we've already mentioned that uh, the, the board had asked the players for, um, you know, a compromise um, uh, document mm. on eligibility. Right now, it's a, it's a very strict um, position. If you don't play, you 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 can't play. If you don't play in the regional, you can't play. Um, we wait to see what else will will come out of that. Uh, but there must have been some agreement. No social media. Uh, let's quietly go about our business. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It seems to me ironic that there's plenty of things that we're aware of going on, Reds, but then can't. We're not in a position to say more, not because we know more and not not sharing it, but really there is not that great a conduit of information. I often feel the West Indies Cricket Board is perhaps a little too tight-lipped on things, and we don't get to hear it enough. Um, another thing we're waiting to hear about it was. Uh, said this week that the Trinidad Tobago Cricket Board has submitted its report to the West Indies Cricket Board uh, about the washout at uh, the Queen's Park Oval, the, the fourth test at Port of Spain. But still, that's another thing that we've not had anything further come back to us as members of the public about what the findings of that were. Well, it's not rocket science. It's not reinventing the wheel. I think I've said before on, on this programme, um, the simple truth is that I don't see why we have to go through this this whole scenario. Mm. The, the drainage is not functioning. Fix the drainage. End of story. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we 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 we're just going through an exercise, and most people know that 
the drainage was obviously at fault. The tanks were filled. Uh, the drainage was not taking place. I don't believe you, you need a, an investigation for that. I think uh, the authorities in Port of Spain uh, are sure, very much aware of what, what caused the problem. Yeah. I was interested, Reds, this week to read that uh, there's been revamping, though, of the uh, the pitches at uh, Providence, and hopefully they're going to be uh, improved for future games. Yes, uh, they've tried that before. It, it didn't work. They had they had the ICC um, pitch uh, pitch expert. Um, he spent some time there. That didn't work. I know Ken Crafton is going down. Mm. A lot depends on what soil they're using and where the soil is coming from. <laughs> it did pass through on my mind when I saw the New Zealand um, official who came out um, to look at the pitches and uh, o oversee this the Caribbean Premier League um, uh, square mm. for the matches there in Miami. Whether it would not be in a good idea for maybe Guyana to ask um, the CPL to make them available, but um, it coincides with the action that you you have just spoken about. We'll, we'll wait to see if um, the new square um, is any faster, has a little more bounce, and maybe less um, spin-oriented. Yeah. Looking ahead, Red, uh, next month we've got... Uh the English women's team visiting uh, the Caribbean. Uh, they'll be playing against, uh, obviously, West Indies uh, women. Uh, they're holding a, a camp coming up, training camp, uh, just shortly ahead of that. Uh, women's cricket quite strong for West Indies at the moment. They had their uh, success, obviously, earlier this year, winning the 2020 World Cup. Uh, there was news this week that Deandra Dottin is going to go and play for the uh, Brisbane Heat in the women's version of the Big Bash. And... Uh, Three or so of the uh, the girls just come back from uh, the English competition, uh, where they all joy enjoyed uh, well met an element of success. They didn't all have the the greatest of tournaments, but uh, West Indies uh, women's cricket really on the up reds and also getting an international profile. Yes, um, I think more of the ladies will probably be going to Australia. We heard of Dutton, but we probably will hear of a couple more. Yes, um, they will go into that home series in Jamaica with a lot of confidence, having won the World Cup. What will be the format? I'm not sure whether they play 2020s uh, plus ODIs. I, I, I don't know. I see there is a, a couple of new faces. Um, not a lot happening maybe for new faces coming through. Mm. Um, there was, I think, a Guyanese all-rounder at age 30, so she might have been a late he, he developer. Um, but um, you know, they they they've got the basis of, of of a very good side, and we we just have to wait and see how they do um, against England um, in the upcoming series. Yeah, well, we wish them the best of success, and uh, hope they can retain their position uh, towards the top of. Uh... Women's, uh, women's cricket in the world. Um, another thing that uh, really caught your eye this week, Reds, and I know you have opinions on this, there's been a little talk about the two, potential for having two tiers of test cricket and uh, effectively two divisions, which naturally at the moment would mean West Indies being in Division 2. India have uh, expressed against this. They've come out against this this week, and that, that may put an end to it. I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm very happy that, that India, who is 
obviously very strong within ICC circles has taken in that position. Um, the ICC need to spend some money on the countries at the bottom of the ladder to, to help them uh, to improve. And I think, therefore, the world standard would improve um, because in, in many cases, uh, countries are short of monies and that's why they... They, they, they can't maybe get the improvement that they want in terms of facilities, in terms of coaching of coaches, um, in, in terms of uh, youth uh, cricket, etc. Um, administration help, um, I, I think, is very good that India has pointed uh, their position in that direction. And the ICC, like FIFA, um, I, I know I'm going to an organization that has had a lot of question marks, but they seem to settle on how FIFA and maybe the IAF uh, tend to help the, their affiliates, the small affiliates. Yeah. Well, I, I, I agree with you. I would like to see uh, West Indies able to play everybody. Having said that, I would like to see some sort of form of uh, common sense prevail. Uh, I don't think it does West Indies cricket that good to be playing sides that are that much better than them at the moment. They should really be, I think, focusing on playing against sides like New Zealand, Sri Lanka at home, sadly to say, Bangladesh, these sorts of guys, uh, rather than going off and getting a tanking in Australia. I don't see that that really does anything for them, except possibly, of course, the, the financial gains. Yes, and I'd like to see our A-tours um, really not uh, simply settling to, for, for Bangladesh or Zimbabwe. I'd like to see our A-tours um, really you know, go to Australia and, 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 and go to South Africa yeah. so that um, they will learn a lot. They'll play a very high standard. And, you know, you can then judge the material that you have that probably can go into your ODI teams or your t test teams, the case may be. No, absolutely. Uh, that's that's where there would be a genuine benefit if they were having A tours to England, Australia, things like that. Uh, a little bit away from the public eye, if you like. And their opponents can, of course get the right balance between the, the two sides if let's say England's A tight side was going to be that felt to be that much stronger than West Indies, but then they can experiment. It's it's still uh development cricket. But uh, at the highest level no I I I don't really want to see I don't want to see West Indies keep getting thrashed by the teams that are number one, two and three in the world. But enough of that for now. Um few bits of housekeeping uh, reads. Uh, I had an email this week from John Holder, former international umpire. Wanted to uh, pick us up because we were talking about that 2020 in Florida last week and we talked about the umpires. He points out that uh, for home 2020 matches, both umpires are home appointed. Only one is neutral uh, in theory in a uh, in ODI cricket. Of course, both are neutral in a test match. So thank you, John, to that. And uh, before we move on, Reds, to our uh, looking back feature, you just uh, picked me up last week wanting the uh, statistics on Hanif Mohammed and Fazal Mahmood. So I'll just uh, share those with you briefly. Uh, Hanif Mohammed, he uh, 55 test matches for Pakistan. He's highest that 337 that we talked about last week. 1200s, uh, very healthy average of 43.98. And uh, Fazal Mahmood, um, one of the first in the line of uh, great Pakistani seamers, much more of a medium fast than fast medium bowler. But in 34 test matches, he took 139 wickets at 24.7. Um, Reds, this week. Uh, 
the guy we really want to look at who died this week, uh, age 90. Australia's oldest at the time, living test cricketer, the former wicketkeeper Lem Maddox. Yes, uh, Victorian, um, toured the West Indies in 1955. Um, I saw him versus British Guyana. Um, small man, very small keeper, uh, you know, not as small, let's say, as David Williams, but maybe um, a, a little bigger. And uh, was played in the first test and on that 55 tour of the Westernese for his batting. Mm. But after the first test, Gil Langley uh, then came in. I think um, it was felt that Maddox would have done better with the bat. Um, Langley was, of course, a very long-standing, outstanding Australian keeper. And he kept for the rest of uh, the the tour but no doubt highly respected and made a great contribution um to victoria and australian cricket because he had a he held a couple of very important um roles um as, as chairman of many committees mm. you were telling me earlier reds that uh, uh that game in uh, april 1955 at uh, Border Georgetown. Uh, he was actually there and saw British Guiana against uh, against the Australians and uh, saw Maddox keeping wicket. He took three catches and a stumping as uh, British Guiana made 177 and uh, Hill took five wickets for Australia. Maddox, Maddox then was the only one to fail with the bat in Australia's innings of 476 LBW for naught. Um, but that also featured 177 from Peter Burge. And some of the players in that side, Reds, that you'd have seen back then over 60 years ago, uh, Neil Harvey, Keith Miller, Richie Benno, Alan Davidson, some great cricketers, Reds. Yes, um, that hill to you refer to was a spinner. Right. Um, and um, didn't get a, a lot of opportunities of Australia. But um, that 55 tour, they had a mix of the, their greats. Mm. Um, Linwall and Miller was beginning to go out. But, um, you know, when you talk about the slow ball, I remember being astonished uh, to see uh, K.R. Miller bowling from the top end. Um, and he bowled a genuine leg break uh, to, to Bruce Perdo. I mean, you know, th th that was the flair of the man. Of course, a lot of people don't record that Franklin Stevenson was the, the man who really, um, uh, you know, uh, produced the slow ball, maybe more nuts than anywhere else uh, as, as recorded. Yeah. Uh, but that Australian tour had a lot of young talent that came on. You know, you, you, you had the, the Alan Davidson um, in, 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 in that tour. Um, Benno was a, a fairly young man at, at, at that time. The interesting thing about uh, Burge, you mentioned, his father was, in fact, the manager of the 55 side. Mm. Um, so it, it, it was, in fact, um, uh, the last opportunity, or maybe the only opportunity, um, for Caribbean people to see the likes of you know, A.R. Morris, uh, uh, Sir Donald Bradman had, had finished by then, but you know Harvey was, was certainly coming up and already made, made his mark. There was no Lindsay Hassett anymore, but um, it was a, a strong Australian side. One of the things I remember about that test match is that Gary Sobers has made his way into the Western East side, and he was Batting against Ian Johnson, who was bowling from the southern end, the Regent's Street end, the commentary box end. 
and he bowled to Sobers and he hit him off the back foot. And it was really going a million miles an hour through mid-off. And there was uh, Willie Watson at short mid-off, not Willie Watson of England. Let us yeah. get not confused. There was another Watson. It hit his instep and yeah. jumped into the hands of Johnson. The book was saying that Sobers was caught in Bull Johnson. Um, <laughs> it, it didn't quite happen as simple as straightforward as, as that way. Scorecards don't always quite tell the uh, the whole story, of course. Um, before I forget and have to do this next time, uh, just to give Len Maddox's uh, uh, brief statistics, he uh, he only played seven tests for uh, for Australia, as you say, at a time when Gil Langley was generally regarded as the better keeper, Maddox the better batsman. Uh, but Maddox's uh, test figures with the bat were. Uh, Modest, shall one say? Uh, he only averaged seventeen point seven with one fifty in that time. Hit six first class hundreds and averaged over thirty in first class cricket, over four thousand runs in that. But obviously didn't score the runs uh, required of him in Test cricket. And as I say, only those seven Tests uh, between nineteen fifty five and nineteen fifty seven. Yes, played one in fifty five when he played in the first Test. But I'm sure that there's some people who have never played a Test match, he would have been happy with his seven. <laughs> well, there's people like yourself and I, Reds, that uh, uh, would have given almost anything to have played one first-class match. Um, what, what an honour to be good enough to uh, to appear at uh, at that level. Um, that's all we've really got time for this week, Reds, and it's all we've got time for for a few weeks because uh, I'm off on my holidays uh, with Christine, uh, my wife. Uh, she's back in UK for a, for a course and things like that, and as the dutiful husband, I will be at her side and uh, won't have time for this until until October, Reds. Some might say David is off on another holiday. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, when, when one's wife is out doing the, the real hard work and one's at home enjoying chatting to uh, uh, legendary radio cricket broadcasters in one's spare time, yeah, that's that's that's. It doesn't get much more of a holiday and much more fun than that. Um, yeah. I know when you return, David, you plan to do a special focus on cricket in the USA. I am. Uh, by talking to John Aaron, of course, who is very active with his own club in New York, Atlantis, who just celebrated 50 years. Yes. Is that on? And I do hope that's the case when John and I can hook up together. Waited to hear back from him. Um, that's something I do look forward to. I'm also looking forward to uh, doing a, a feature about some of the pre-First World War West Indian cricketers and Charles Olivier and uh, some of the pioneers like that. That's for the future. For the time being, uh, that's all we've uh, got time for, as it were. Um, Reds, I know you always like to thank our, uh, our listeners for, for being with us. Yes, uh, you know, we always would like to get feedback, which is the most important thing. Um, feedback, thank you for listening. Thank you for t taking the commentary. Some people have it on, on their radio stations. Our very special friends in, in North America and all in the Caribbean. And just to go back to John Holder, um, I didn't know that Miami was, in fact, home to the West Indies. <laughs> and, and, and maybe I saw it uh, as, uh, as neutral. But one of the things I found out from a young man whose father played for Guyana, Sonny Eden, who went to New Zealand in 56, that the price of the tickets were um, a little on, on the expensive side. It was, I think, $250 US. Some, something um, like that. Yeah. I think basically, um, you know, if matches are going to be played there in the future, uh, they, they must cater 
um, for families who are going, that makes it a very expensive day, David. I see the ICC is to investigate uh, why the match started so very late. It had to do with, with television, of course. Uh, play was held up for 40 minutes. We hear from the ICC. Yeah, no, well, one suspects there was a little bit of uh, vested interest around. I mean, when you think, Reds, that a, a test match in Barbados, for example, entry fee is something like 10 US dollars um, to get into a, a, a 2020 match in the US. Talking in terms of $200, there does seem to be perhaps a different target audience. You can imagine that uh, uh, the, the wealthy to, and to, well-to-do in the, the US uh, were the guys able to go and watch that game rather than the local uh, taxi cab drivers. Yeah, case the point of question, was it the Indian board calling the shots in Miami? Well, Why is the price so high? This is something um, I would love to know. Um, and the same goes, as you said, with the umpiring. I'm still not clear whose game it was, who were the hosts. Also, where's this money going? Um, is that money that went purely to the uh, American authorities? Did the West Indies Cricket Board see a very large cut of this? Uh, was it all going back to the uh, BCCI? As uh, I think it was you, Red, suggested, was this uh, all related back to some of the... Uh, debt of 42 million that uh, the West Indies Cricket Board nominally or notionally owed the PCCI. Well, David, whatever, I hope the West Indies Board are now richer from the Miami exercise than before the first ball was bowled. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I hope that uh, I hope there's more such things in the future, but that, that they can be shared with people uh, in a better way, let's put it like that. I think we'll leave it there, Red. Uh, we'll speak again in uh, about three or four weeks' time. All right, so um, enjoy in, enjoy your time away and look forward to that chat with um, John um, about U.S. cricket. He was once a member of the U.S. board. Yeah, no, well, I look forward to that and uh, I look forward as well to uh, spending some time back in, in the UK before the cricket season's over there. This has been The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with Reds Pereira and me, David Oram, and we both hope you can join us again in October. Goodbye. <laughs>